Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Church, I don't know what you've come here today walking through, walking with, experiencing. I often uh, have said that I feel that uh, the potency of what God wants to do on Sunday uh, normally determines what happens to me on Saturday night before I have to get up and preach. And last night, my, my daughter came down with, uh, with a 102.8 fever uh, suddenly. Uh, then uh, in the middle of uh, you know, our plans changing, instead of a date night, it's uh, stay at home and dad's cooking dinner. And in the middle of uh, pre- preparing dinner, we had a big porcelain bowl full of rice sitting on my counter. Another plate falls off of my shelf hits that when I try to catch it. Uh, the porcelain goes into my hand and cuts me. Uh, you know, so, so last night was fun, you know. Uh, you, you experience those things. And it's amazing uh, what happens because as I'm praying, Lord, I know you have something. Yeah. Not just for us, but for me, Lord, uh, as we come into your presence. But it's amazing how the enemy will just throw hell at you uh, before you get there. And uh, I believe that some of you, and you could be seated right where you're at. Uh, we're going to pray in just a moment. But I, I want you to hear that because I believe there are so many things that are warring for your attention and for your mind right now. So many things that you're going through. And we live so overwhelmed by our circumstances that we don't give room for the still small voice of God to speak and to remind us of this one thing. His name is victory. In his name, there's victory over anything we're working through. And sometimes we let these kinds of things stand in the way, right? Right? Rob us of what God wants to give us and what God wants to speak into our hearts. And so right now I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for me and I'm going to pray for you. And here's my prayer, that nothing would stand in the way of what God wants to speak to our hearts today. That nothing would stand in the way of what God wants to do. Not what I want to say, but what I believe God has for us together as we stand together. So would you pray with me right now? Would you surrender those things that whatever it is that you've been walking through leading up to this moment, Lord Jesus, we take all these things. Lord, just as your word says, we take every thought captive, Lord God. Lord, we bring it under submission to your lordship. Today, Lord God, we know that where we have gathered, Lord, you're here, you're in our midst. Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't just welcome you into our service. We welcome you into our lives. We welcome you into our thoughts. We welcome you into our hearts, Lord God. Lord God, we pray today, Lord God, that everything, Lord God, that has flooded our hearts, our minds, every bit of anxiety, worry, fear, uncertainty, Lord God, those things, Lord God, will be removed today, Lord God, that we would cast them aside. Lord, in fact, we cast them onto you, Lord God, as your word says, because you care for us. And today, Lord God, we come to you with open hearts, Lord God. We come to you, Lord God, focusing our attention on you and what you want to speak to us. So we say this, Holy Spirit, come and speak to me today. Give me a word in season, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. 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 God is good. Thank you so much to the worship team. And uh, it's been a full day, a full day, and God is, uh, God is working and God is moving. Here's what I was reminded of as I got ready for today's message. I was reminded of a story of what happened to me uh, a few years ago. Before the, the craziness of children and all those things uh, flooded into our lives, the many blessings, but also the many complexities of having kids and the busyness of life, I was reminded of a time where uh, my wife and I were fretting because one day we walked into our kitchen and I went to, just as I normally do, go to the fridge to get something to drink and when I opened the door to the fridge there was something different, Uh, no power in the fridge. Uh, The fridge was completely dark and I put my hand in there. I felt like, wow, this doesn't feel too cool as it should be. 
uh, so we have a problem where the fridge isn't working. Uh, this was strange because the lights were on in the kitchen. Uh, when I looked over at my stove, uh, there was uh, signs of electricity going to that. Uh, my pantry, which is only a foot away from, uh, you know, or two away from my fridge, I'm flicking the lights on. The lights are going on in there. My microwave is working. And so I'm thinking, this is really bad. You know, I, we don't have money. We're going to go buy a brand new fridge. This fridge is kind of new. What, what's going on? So I pull it out. Um, I'm looking on the back. I'm looking up the instructions online. I'm reading everything I can. I'm thinking to myself, do I have what it takes to take this thing apart and figure out how to fix it? That's my first thought. Um, because the people who lived in our house before us, they were the ones that bought it. I couldn't find any of the paperwork or warranty information. And as I'm going through all of those motions, I'm just fretting. I got everything pushed out. I got stuff everywhere. My wife's just looking at me, and I'm just like, we got to save all the food. Before the food spoils, we had just done a big grocery shopping. I'm like, all the food's going to go bad. We got to save this. We got to fix it. We got to figure this out. And so I'm frantic. I'm anxious. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Well, after a little while, I realized, let me just test the outlet and make sure that that, that that works and there's not an issue there. Well, I plug something else in, I realize the outlet's bad. Oh, no, the outlet's bad. What am I going to do? So I go downstairs, I realize I can't reset the breaker, the literal, the, the circuit, you know, the, the actual breaker needed to be switched out. I didn't have one. You know, I got to run to the store. I didn't even understand what to do. Uh, so I, I'm freaking out. I'm fretting. So then I run to the closet. I have a brilliant idea. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get a long extension cord. And I'm going to run this all through the house, and I'm going to figure out how to get this thing together. And I'm, I'm doing this. I'm literally kicking an extension cord. I'm running. I run over to one area. I'm trying to untangle it. Mandy's watching me. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And I'm, I'm running this thing through the house, and I'm trying to figure out what outlet. I'm like, okay, if I go into that room, maybe I could run it down into the basement, you know, so it's out of everyone's way. And Mandy looks at me, and I'm all wrapped up and tangled in this wire. She says, look, I, I know you've thought about this really thoroughly. But um, why can't you just plug it in right there to that outlet where the microwave's plugged in two feet away? I said, well, you that's exactly what we're going to do. Here's what I realized in that moment. I realized that as I was getting so wrapped up and so tangled up, that the power that I needed all along was closer than I thought it was that the power that I needed was a lot closer than I ever thought it was. And I want to tell you that we spend so much of our time getting so tangled up, don't we? And the power that we really need is a lot closer than we ever thought it was. I'm talking it's a few feet away from me. And here I am trying to figure out and plan out and say, well, how am I going to get there? How are we going to get there? We know, I mean, we need power. We need this. We need that. Everything's going to go rotten and spoil and fall apart. I need that power. I need to plug in. And I'm figuring it out in my own strength and my own thoughts and my own way. And the power that I needed all along was a lot closer than I ever thought it was. And I want you to know today that as we come to God's word and as we even come to this idea of kingdom living, what do we mean when we say kingdom living? Do you know what it means? It means that you and I, if we read God's word and take it seriously, we have been called to live out the kingdom of God here on earth. We have been called to live as Jesus taught us to live. And when I go there, and I don't know if you've been there recently, but why don't you open up your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to warn you today, don't go there unless you're ready to be challenged. 
Um, Matthew chapter 5 and 6, we could read these things, uh, and it is not like an instruction manual that says, uh, you know, very simple to assemble something. This is challenging instructions. In fact, they're complex. They're challenging. Uh, They would take everything within us if we were really going to be able to live them out here on earth. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, as Jesus goes through and he begins to teach, he says, you know what, those who are poor in the world... They're blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He goes on, he said, we bless the gentle because they're going to inherit the earth. Those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Jesus just starts talking about those who many would see at the fringes. Many would see as uh, disenfranchised, marginalized, hurting. And Jesus said, no, they're going to be blessed because God has something for them. Blessed are the pure in heart because they're the ones who are going to be able to see God. And then Jesus goes on. He's just sitting down. I want you to imagine that during these chapters, from chapter 5 through chapter 7, Jesus has just sat down, his disciples and the multitudes, and what he's trying to download into their hearts is how they are called to live in this world as citizens of the kingdom of God, as his followers. And if there's ever a time that you and I need to know how to live, we're not going to find the instructions by looking around us. We're not going to find it by looking in our jobs. We're not going to find it by looking online. We're not going to find it by looking uh, to those who serve us in public office. We're not going to find how we are called to live by looking anywhere else than God's word and to our Lord and our Savior. And he tells us how we're called to live. But it challenges us to our core. It challenges everything about what we want to do in our own impulses. Go to verse 21 in chapter chapter 5 and begin to read about personal relationships. It says, You've heard it said that we shall not commit murder. But I say, if you were even angry at your brother, you'd be found guilty. If you're holding something against them. In fact, if you come to worship but you're holding something against them, you can't even come and worship God. You've got to go back. And you've got to make that right. He goes on to say, if someone persecutes you, don't repay evil for evil. But instead, turn. You know, turn away from that. Bless those who persecute you. Love your neighbor, but even love your enemies, Jesus said. Jesus gives these challenging instructions. And if you and I were to sit down and say, well, let's do it then. How are we going to figure it out? And we start trying to work through all these things. We're just going to tangle ourselves up in good works trying to figure this out. I want you to know that what it takes for us to do and live the way Jesus called us to live, it requires a power that is greater than us. If you try to do this in your own strength, we will fail every single time. And so what we do is we live trying but failing. But here's what you need to know. The power that you need to accomplish everything that Jesus has for your life is a lot closer than you ever thought it was. And Jesus then begins to teach in Matthew chapter 6 what that's all about. Because I believe when I say it's a lot closer than you ever thought it was, it is literally the distance from here to the ground. And it's in the place of prayer that you and I find power to live and to experience everything God has for us. And it's out of that place of prayer, it's out of that place, the secret place we're going to call it, that God will work and move in your life and through your life. When we look, praise God, praise God for that. When we look at God's word time and again, there is this idea that, is, that comes to the forefront. And I want to draw your attention to Psalm 139 this morning. In Psalm 139, God speaks of, and I'd encourage you to read this in your devotional time, allows to be a time where you just can sit in God's presence and know of his great love for you. He says, God, you've searched me and you've known me. 
You know when I sit and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. And here's what it says in verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. It says, Lord, it was in the secret place that I was formed and you were there. And I've never picked up on this before. But that idea of the secret place isn't just the place in our mother's womb and the depths of the earth, as the Bible says, where we were formed at one point in time. It's the secret place, that place of prayer, that place of intimacy with God, where you and I are formed every single day, every single time that we come together. The, the God's word says time and again that when we spend time, when we find our refuge and our shelter in the Lord, what does that mean? That we come to him, that we close ourselves off from the world, and that we lean into him, that it's there, that we find strength, that we find power, that we find everything we need for this life. The power that you've needed all along is a lot closer than you ever thought it was. But what we're doing is we're leaning on our own strength. We're leaning on our understanding, and we're not living continually in the presence of God. And something has to change in us if anything's going to change around us. And so when we look here in Matthew chapter 6, if we go back there, this is during the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is talking. And he's talking and teaching them many things, but he gets to this portion on prayer. And he says, don't be like everyone else when you pray. Don't be like those that stand out in public and make a spectacle of it. Don't just be those who are praying when other people are watching or are around. But when you pray, verse 6, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And when you do this, your Father who sees what is done in what? Secret. Will reward you. What God sees you do in secret, he will bless publicly. What he sees you do in the secret place. And here's what I mean when I say that prayer has power. Is that when we are praying in one place, closed off, you know God is moving in another that when we're interceding, that's the idea of intercessory prayer. We stand in the gap. We stand in one place and pray, and God is working in other places as we pray. If it's said that things happen when we pray, then guess what? Other things don't happen when we don't. You know, if there is power when you and I pray, what happens when we neglect that time? Jesus said, don't be like those who only pray in public, but be connected to me in private. Spend time with me, seeking me. When's the last time that you had that time with the Lord? That time in the secret place where you've closed yourself off from every distraction. Where Jesus doesn't get the scraps of your day, he gets the best. He gets a, a time where, where you begin to realize that without that moment with him, something's different in your day. There's some of you that you need to shower daily. I hope it was all of you uh, today. But if you don't shower for a day, maybe you're on a missions trip. Team Haiti, you might realize this. Maybe there's going to be a day that you don't get to shower. Two days. Maybe those around you begin to notice when you haven't showered for that long. But I'm sure you notice. You realize something's off. If I haven't spent time during the day uh, getting ready, then I feel off for the rest of the day. Do you feel that way about God's presence? If I haven't been in the presence of God today, I don't feel like I can operate outside of it. 
something's different, something's marked and different. The problem that I feel we have is the way we're living in this life and in this world today, we're not living with enough of an awareness and a dependency on God's presence. Here's what you need to know, that when it comes to kingdom living, your power will be determined by your dependency. Let me say it a better way. Your power will be determined by your prayer life, which really reflects your dependency. Are you dependent on yourself or are you dependent on God? Your prayer life, how you are leaning into God, how you are spending time in his presence. It's not going through just a list of of time and checking off, okay, God, have I spent 10 minutes with you? It reflects a dependency in the core of your heart that, Lord, I can't do it in this life without you. And some of you say, well, I get that, Pastor, when I go on missions trips or I come here or I'm going to be a part of the worship team or the choir. I make sure I pray that I'm ready so that I can do it because I can't do any of this without him. Here's what Jesus says. In John chapter 15, verse 5, when he's speaking to his disciples, some of the last words he said before he went to the cross, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It doesn't say apart from me you can do some things, but you can do nothing. Do you know what this means? You say, well, it seems like apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. I, I, I get that too. But how much of our lives are we living apart from him? How much of our life has really been sectioned off from him and have we excluded him from instead of inviting him into? Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Have we allowed the reality of God's word to saturate our hearts? We said the first thing that needs to change if we're going to embrace kingdom living is our perspective must change. Do you view your life? Do you view your work? Do you view what you do in a day and say, Lord, without you, I can't do it? There's a book that was written by a man named Nicholas Herman in the 1600s. It wasn't actually written by him. It was a collection of his letters and his, and his words that he spoke with other men. This man named Nicholas, he grew up in great poverty. He actually served in the military in the 1600s. He lived in France, and eventually he went into a monastery in France, and he was a lay uh, a layman in that monastery. He didn't have the education to actually join the order with the other men, and so he had to actually do menial tasks. He was given a new name when he was there, and they, they named him Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. And when they named him Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection and people got to know this man, there was something so different about him. He was a man that mainly spent the, the, the majority of his time, because he spent his whole life serving for the rest of his life in this monastery. He spent his life working in the kitchen. But there was something so different about him. His highest achievement was that he was able to get an upgrade from working in the kitchen to repairing people's sandals. In this life, that was his highest achievement. But his words have lived on in a book called The Practice of the Presence of God, which people have been reading for hundreds of years. Because what they realized when people met, and some of the very brothers, the men that lived in that monastery, who had far more education, who knew far more about many other things, no one knew what it meant to depend on the presence of God like Brother Lawrence. And they would sit with him and they would talk and they would hear him. And as he would share, he would, he would share these wondrous things that the Lord had spoken uh, into his heart. This, this kind of disposition that he had uh, to trust God, to lean into him with everything that he had. And I, I have one quote from his book that I wanted to read to you this morning. And I want you to listen to this. 
Here's what Brother Lawrence said. In the mid-1600s, I cannot imagine how religious people can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. For my part, I keep myself retired with him in the depths of the center of my soul as much as I can. And while I am with him, I fear nothing. But the least turning from him in my life is insupportable. He basically says, I become undone if I'm not leaning into the presence of God. And, and this was such a disposition that this man carried. It was incredible. It's why his words have outlived him. They've ministered to countless people over time. It was because there was something that he got. There was a perspective that he carried in this life. And it was a dependency on the presence of God, realizing that apart from him, he had no power. He couldn't do it. And some of us, we say, yeah, when I go to church, or when I do these huge things, or when I have a really big meeting, in, in, or when I have a big test or whatever it is, then I lean into the presence of God. But you actually live realizing this. Lord, I can't have that meeting. Lord, I can't face them. Lord, I can't have those conversations. Lord, I can't lift my head from my pillow today without your presence guiding me and leading me. Lord, make me aware everywhere that I go. Make me dependent on you. Lord God, make me quickened to what your Holy Spirit wants to speak to me. Do you realize today this is how God calls us and calls us to live as his followers, that apart from him, we could do nothing. But do we live that way? Or are we so comfortable living disconnected apart from him? unable to do and reach the full potential of what he wants to do in and through us. My daughter has a lot of toys that she enjoys and she loves. We have uh, done a very good job filling our house with uh, a lot of different toys that she plays with and some that she doesn't play with. And I'm not the sole culprit. There are a lot of family members that love her very much that help make that a, a, a reality. One of the things that surprised me recently over the last few months is my daughter now has a favorite toy. And it became her favorite toy for several months coming out of the summer and into the fall season. And it wasn't one that you'll find at Toys R Us or in any catalog. Uh, it's one that you don't even need to purchase. In fact, I have an oak tree in my backyard that produces millions of these toys, I feel like. And they are acorns. My daughter's new favorite thing is an acorn. And so it, got, it gets so strange that when we're going and leaving, and we normally would always ask her, okay, Lily, you could bring one toy with you. What toy do you want to bring with you? And it would normally be a doll or her purse or, or whatever it is. Eggcorn, eggcorn. She drops that eggcorn, and we're on a road trip. She's crying until the eggcorn has been restored to her. Um, so I have a lot of eggcorns rolling around the floor. We make sure we have some extras around. This is her favorite toy. This is her favorite thing, and she has a bucket that she walks around the yard instead of playing in her playhouse or with her truck or with her lawnmower or with the ball or anything else. She just wants to go find the acorns, put them away, and acorn is her favorite toy. And I've realized this, that, that, that it's cute, and it's something that we'll be able to talk to her about more when she's older and, 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 and really see uh, fondly. But when I think about this idea of an acorn, I don't know if you know it or not, but the acorn actually has more value in it, more potential in it than any of those other things she plays with. An acorn has more life in it than anything else she's purchased. We could buy her the most uh, expensive toy of the day, and yet that one acorn has more potential to produce more than that could ever. You see, all those things are going to decay. They're going to depreciate. They're going to come apart. But an acorn has the potential for incredible growth in life. 
that we could never even imagine. Because every one of those acorns has the potential to become a tree. And every one of those trees has the potential to produce enough fruit that it could become an entire forest. If enough time and if the circumstances were just right. I want you to realize that when Jesus talked about the idea of the kingdom of God and he used a parable about seeds that were being cast, that when the word of God went out, that it's like seeds that go into the soil. When it finds the right environment and it produces fruit, it's a hundredfold. It's so much greater than you could ever imagine. I want you to realize this. If you have been changed, if you are a life that has uh, been turned around and Jesus is now your Lord and your Savior, you need to realize that the seed of the kingdom of God is now planted in your heart and in your life and what God wants to do through you and in you is greater than you could ever imagine. There's more life in you that could be produced than you could ever imagine. And you would look back generations later and be amazed and say, how did God do that? It could have only been him. There's so much he wants to do in you and he wants to do through you. It's more than you can hope, dream, or imagine. But I want to tell you something today. That it is required that you have experienced the right power to allow that to take place. You see, the conditions would need to be just right. If not, there is a bunch of acorns, and all they are is they're causing a lot of problems for my lawnmower and uh, for me. But they're not producing life. It means that the right environment needs to be there. Sometimes the right pressure, the right storms need to come to water. But there needs to be this right environment that's going to allow it to go deep into the soil and allow it to produce fruit. And I want you to know that the same is true in your life. You need to be in the right environment, the right things. Your focus, your attention needs to be put in the right place. And when that happens, when that is aligned, then there will be more fruit in your life than you could ever imagine. But you have to be tapped into your source of life. You have to be getting away to the secret place with the Lord. It's there that you were formed, and it's there that you'll be transformed. It's there that you'll be changed more and more into the image of God. There's power that you could never have imagined and that you've always needed, and it's so much closer than you'd ever think. But we have to get back to that place of prayer, church, not just talking about it, but living it. Not just talking about and celebrating God's presence, but truly relying on it. Can you wake up tomorrow? What would it look like if you woke up tomorrow and you realized this? God, if your presence doesn't go before me, I can't go there. What if you grew up and, and spent the rest of your days living like the children in the wilderness? We could say a lot of bad things about what happened in the wilderness to the people of God, but they were tabernacling. And while they were doing that, God's presence went before them. And they said, if your presence isn't going, I don't want to go. If your presence isn't moving, Lord, I don't want to move. Can we learn, church, what it would mean to have a dependency on the presence of God every day of our lives? If we operate it from that place, how different would our lives be? Pastor Rick, you can come at this time. We're going to prepare to go before the Lord in some, a time of prayer before we finish our time together today. I want to remind you of a challenge that I gave you, church, last week. This challenge was one around prayer and around what it would look like if you and I would pray and we would seek God's face. And we would seek his face on behalf of our lives, but also on behalf of our nation as we're getting very close to a very important election that's going to be happening. Last week as I talked to you about what it meant to have a kingdom conscience, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to that message, I'd encourage you to go back and watch that at evangelchurch.com. It's so important that you and I have an awareness of God's presence and an awareness of the importance of prayer. 
an awareness that God has called us for such a time as this to seek his face. Here's what it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. There's power in our prayers. There's power in our prayers. And I want, I want to tell you today that we won't experience kingdom power unless we are engaged in kingdom prayer. That kingdom prayer is what will bring about kingdom power in our lives, in our world, in our communities, in our families. And if we want to see, just as Jesus called us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To see that happen, it means you and I need to learn what it means to be dependent on the presence of God and to foster a time, a prayer time that is regular, a prayer time that remains connected to him. Let's not live in this kind of modern technology age we have. We can be so disconnected from everything, can't we? There was a time that this would not work unless it was plugged in. I could not carry it around and it would be powered on. It would need to be continuing to remain connected to its source of power. But as this idea of rechargeable batteries was produced and all these things, and it's like, now the question is, how quick can I just plug in and get on my way? Is that how you're living your life with God? Is that what your relationship with him looks like? Lord, let me plug in for just a couple minutes and then let me run out. And let me figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my day. Instead of saying, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. What you called me to is too great for me to live disconnected from you. The power that I need to tap into, Lord God, to even live my life. I'm tired of just surviving, Lord. I want to thrive. I want to walk in all the power that you have for me. Help me to stay connected to you. When our dependency is on him, it will ultimately determine the power that we operate with. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, as the church is beginning to undergo persecution, as they are faced with even being put in prison, they're questioned. Uh, people are coming against them. As the believers came together, here's what happened. They prayed. That's what they did. They went into their house, they closed the door behind them, and they prayed and they sought the face of God. In verse 32, here's what it says the outcome is. When they prayed that the place that they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. There was a power that came over them because they knew who they needed to remain connected to. And at each turn, they turned to the Lord in prayer. And each time they did that, they were humbling themselves. They were realizing it's not about me, it's about him. And God met them every single time. Church, what would it look like? What would your life look like? What would your family look like? What would your marriage look like? What would your workplace look like? What would this church look like if we took Jesus' words seriously? And we said, Lord, from today forward, we want to begin to live with a dependency on your presence. And Lord, that will only come through getting back to the secret place, the place where you formed us and the place where you will transform us. And so, Lord, today we put our dependency in you. Would you just take a posture of prayer, whatever it is, if you'd want to kneel at your seat, if you'd want to lean over, whatever it is, let's take for the next moments as we close out, let's just take a posture of prayer before the Lord right now and let's close out in a time of prayer, seeking his face and making this commitment before him to grow in our dependency upon him. Lord, we thank you today that the power that we need is a lot closer than we ever thought it was. 
Lord, thank you for that reminder today, Lord God. Lord, bring us to our knees again, Lord God, as a people, Lord God, as a church, as, as your followers, Lord God. Lord, you've called us to be salt and light. Lord God, you've called us, Lord God, to forgive as we have been forgiven, Lord God. You called us, Lord God, to be those that go out and see lives transformed for your kingdom, Lord God. Lord, you've entrusted us with the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, that, Lord God, we could share, and when others hear it, their lives are changed forever, Lord God. Lord, you've called us to a life that is greater than we are. Lord, in each one of us that bear your name, Lord God, we've been called. We're not excused from that calling. And Lord, that requires a power that is greater than us. And today, Lord God, Lord, remind us again that, Lord God, our dependency must be first and foremost on you. And Lord, may we live our lives that way, Lord God, not just on Sundays, not just in big moments, but teach us, Lord, to practice your presence, that where you go, Lord God, we want to go. Where you stop, Lord God, we will stop. Help us to live in step with your Holy Spirit. Lord, bring us back to the secret place, Lord God. Give us times, Lord God, where we can press into your presence, where we can seek you, where we can pray daily and regularly, and where we remain connected to you. Lord, we want to know, and we want to live with that awareness that apart from you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, we commit this to you. We commit to grow in our dependency upon you in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Would you stand with me today? I want to remind you of a challenge that we gave last week. And it was to, it was called the 714 Challenge. It's based around 2 Chronicles 714. If my people are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, I'll heal their land. Those are God's promises, but he gives us a responsibility. Will you pray? I challenged you last week to set your alarms for 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. And that you would stop everything and you would pray. You would do exactly what God's word says. You would intercede for our land and we're believing together that God's working through every one of those prayers. And I, I'm thankful for many of you that have done it. If you haven't yet, would you do it? Would you take that commitment? And if you have a smartphone, you can actually look it up in an app store. If you have Google or the Apple app store, any of them, type in 714 prayer. And when you do that, there are two apps, uh, applications that you can download. One of them is from the Assemblies of God. The, others, the other is a red uh, icon that says if 714. And if you get either of those, it allows you to set that reminder. And at 714, it'll give you a reminder to pray. And sometimes it'll even give you a prayer or a scripture verse for you to, to think about while you're praying. So would you take that commitment, church? Can we continue in that up until this election, up until Tuesday, November 8th? And I hope even beyond that, that we will be a people that are continually being reminded during our day to stop everything and pray. And as we do that, God's going to meet us. The Monday before Election Day, we're going to gather together in this sanctuary on Monday night. You saw it in your bulletins. I just want to remind you, we're going to gather here and we're going to pray. We're going to seek God's face on behalf of our nation. Church, let's learn to be dependent on the presence of God again. Let's not just learn it as a church. Let's learn it individually. And as we do, God's going to lead and guide us every step of the way. What he has for us in the months to come, I don't think we can really imagine it, church. He's doing something in this season, and he's preparing us for something greater than we've ever experienced before. And so let's prepare our hearts and the soil of our hearts for it. Amen.
Amen. I'm going to invite the uh, prayer workers to come forward. If you need prayer, we're going to have the altars open. We're going to have a time of prayer, a time of surrender right now, worshiping the Lord. If you want to continue to press in, these altars are open. This space is set aside for that reason. If you need to head out, please make yourself available to everything that's going on in the foyer, and we'll see you again next week. Please save your conversations for out in the foyer. God bless.